Not a matter of if, but when crisis could rock your world. I'm Roshini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. We also turn to people in the real world who are dealing with real issues. Today, retired Admiral John Meyer is here. He is the former commander of Naval Air Force Atlantic. He was the first commanding officer of the USS Gerald R. Ford and has worked to create operational and safety programs to ensure aircraft readiness in the Navy. Sometimes, as we'll see, getting sailors ready to lead means he's had to take on life and death situations, even before any outside enemy surfaces. He's here to discuss the case file I call Suicide. What did I miss? Admiral Meyer, suicide among service members is a concern you've carried from your military life into your now civilian life. It was an issue that was painfully front and center in your role as commander when you ordered investigations following a string of deaths on the USS George Washington over a 10-month period in 2021 and 2022. Admiral, you have a lot of experience on this topic. Yeah, unfortunately, Rashini, I have too much experience in this topic. And the crisis of suicide in our nation, in our military, for our veterans is really devastating. This really came to a head. There had been a series of suicides on George Washington, not really, I I hate to say the term, out of the, the norm in terms of statistical. But the weekend of Easter weekend in 2022, I received three phone calls from the commanding officer of that ship over the course of three days, and it was devastating. The first one, clearly uh, heartbreaking. By the time the third call came, uh, we were both incredulous, and we recognized that we had really an an immediate crisis that we had to respond to. I'll I'll talk a a little bit about what we did, because I think in, in a time of crisis like this, really all eyes in the command turn to the commanding officer. They turn to leadership. They look for guidance, for hope. And, you know, at that point, we're really concerned about the living, uh, those that are left, the friends, the families. But we also have to to do investigations and understand are there things that we can do better that we can prevent in that case. We conducted two investigations. The first was really very, very proximate to those very, the, the three suicides. There was no linkage to those. It wasn't a suicide pact. There were very unique and, and uh, very different cases, like virtually all suicides are. They have their own unique set of circumstances. And then there was a much larger investigation. And I have to say that I am still enormously impressed with the output of that, because at the end of the day, the Secretary of the Navy and the Chief of Naval Operations, they took ownership for that. And they recognized that there are things that we could do in the Navy that, that we're doing today, that we can improve the quality of life, the quality of service for our sailors. We can invest more in the facilities and the infrastructure and those sorts of things. And I know that those changes are ongoing now, and I think it's absolutely going to make a difference. From your vast experience with this, sadly, what are some of the lessons? Because I know prevention is such a key part of your mission moving forward and since all of these events. What is your advice to civilians and leadership in other places that aren't the military when there might be signs or maybe we don't see the signs? Yeah, I would tell you that first and foremost, 
we never want to deal with a suicide or respond to a suicide. It's gut-wrenching at a personal level, at a professional level. It can destroy families and friendships and just has uh, unbelievably uh, consequential impact on people. So my focus has always been on the prevention. And I think that the more you treat sailors or really anybody in your organization with respect and dignity, the more and the more rapidly you can build a foundation of trust for those individuals, the better off you are, right? When I was on Gerald R. Ford, spent a huge amount of my time onboarding the new sailors as they would come onto the command. And I viewed it as my role as the commanding officer to make that individual sailor feel like the missing jigsaw puzzle piece that completed our command. I wanted to make sure that the bed was made for them, that the rack was made on board the ship, that we had name tags and all those sorts of things. But somebody picked them up at the airport, showed them around, treated them like we were so glad to have them because we were. And I think when you do that right, uh, you set the conditions for connectedness and making friends. And uh, let's face it, you know, when young men and women join the military, they may be leaving home for the first time in their lives. They may be leaving circumstances that are not necessarily the best. And it was my job as a commanding officer or as a commander of numerous aircraft carriers to set the conditions for success so these sailors uh, could change their lives. Often there are so many layers, the hierarchical system. We see that in the military. We see that in other organizations. What can leaders do to make any level employee feel like they can go and speak to their boss or they can go and speak to the CEO or the commander? Because these are tough issues and there might be stigma attached when they bring them to light. That's an enormously important issue. I, I think throughout our history, there's been some barriers to coming forward to asking for help in the mental health arena. I would like to say that I think that that's been removed. I don't know that we'll ever, you know, socially remove those barriers. But Congress passed a law, the Caserta Act, after a sailor had taken his life in 2018. And the Navy and DOD has implemented this. And it's really intended to reduce barriers for getting help such that a sailor can go to their chain of command with confidentiality, or they can go right to a treatment facility. And as well as building that foundation of trust, making crystal clear that, that those barriers don't exist. And if you truly care about the people in your charge, the young men and women in the Navy or, or other services or in your organization, I think they'll, that'll resonate with them when you have those conversations and you tell them, my first and foremost concern is for you. And I viewed it truly as they were sons and daughters of mine. And I think, if, you know, from a, a psychological perspective, from a mental perspective, if you view your subordinates in that role, well, you'll make the right decision every single time. And I say that not just as a retired admiral and a, a commander of aircraft carriers. I also say that as a father who has two sons that serve in the military today, one in the Marine Corps and one in the Navy, who works in the exact, the Navy sailor, works in the exact same shipyard that George Washington was in when these suicides happened in uh, Easter time of 2022. Is there still some kind of stigma, though, in the military when it comes to mental health concerns and openly talking about them or getting help? Well, I would probably be lying if I said there were no concerns about that. There are certainly some jobs, some positions, some jobs with very high classification levels, uh, jobs that work uh, heavy or dangerous equipment or operate 
aircraft, for example, those sorts of things. So it wouldn't be wholly true to say that there may not be some consequences uh, to presenting a mental health uh, issue. Having had folks at all levels in commands, junior sailors to relatively senior officers come forward, I think it's enormously important for commanders to uh, first and foremost show that they care, uh, to get that individual all the help they need, but also not be so risk averse that we're going to flush them out of the system or move them out of the command or get them somewhere else. Because when you do that, I think it sends the completely wrong message. So we're kind of, if you do that, we're kind of talking out of both sides of our neck that, you know, we want you to get help. But then if you ask for help, it may have significant career implications. So we really have to, I think, uh, be very true to this, have, you know, very frank and adult conversations. But first and foremost, it's got to be about uh, getting the individual help, getting them healthy, and then getting them back in the fold, getting them back into their organization uh, and letting them uh, operate and do all the things that they were trained to do. Let's talk a little bit about some of the stats. Uh, the military suicide increased 44 percent from 2015 to 2020. It's since moderated a bit. Suicides went down in 2022, but the overall rate of suicide among military members went up 3 percent, according to the 2022 annual Department of Defense report on suicide in the military. Do you have a sense? I mean, these numbers, you called it a crisis. It definitely is. I think until we get to zero, it's a crisis. But what are some of the maybe trends you've seen and hope to help continue to implement both in the military and in the civilian world? Well, I think the statistics that you reference really mirror the national statistics as well. And the military is a reflection of our society. And as the national suicide rate increases, we've really seen the same thing. I'm deeply concerned about the veterans suicide rate, which is two times what it is on the national average or the military average, which is, which is devastating. But there are things to look for in this space. And, you know, every suicide is a very, you know, very unique circumstance uh, with an individual that makes a very difficult decision. But there are some recurring themes in here. Uh, majority, not maybe not a majority, but a, a high incidence have previous mental health history or treatment for things. A very uh, common theme is relationship issues, whether that's a marriage that is broken down or a, a breakup with a girlfriend. We find that at the cause of many, many issues. Alcohol issue is very significant in this. Clearly, access to lethal means. Most suicides occur through the use of handguns, which is you, you don't recover from that, whereas it's something that's less lethal uh, oftentimes that'll be a suicide attempt, but not a successful attempt. But uh, a suicide with a firearm is usually final uh, and instantaneous. And then there's another one that we see perhaps more frequently with more senior individuals. And it's, we would call that a fall from grace. So somebody who has a seemingly successful career, and uh, let's say they get a DWI or they get in trouble or something is about to interrupt that career and their promotability or their ability to be successful in the organization. That's a common theme as well. So those things are all things that commanders need to be very, very familiar with. So when a sailor goes to get mental health treatment, of course you want to know that as a commander. Eight, first and foremost, because you care about that sailor as though they're your own son or daughter, but also because you have to be aware that they're now at a higher risk category. And 
Yeah, I don't know that I would say you treat them with kid gloves, but you probably pay more attention to them. Same thing with all those other factors. But foundationally, if you don't know this about your people, if you don't know your people well, how in the world can you possibly uh, understand the, their life or the pressures and the things that are going on in their life? And in my experience, Rashini, I would tell you, I've not really been concerned about the commanders, the, the folks that were the most senior, the commanding officers or the, the most senior enlisted personnel, because realistically, a commanding officer or the boss of an organization isn't going to have daily and frequent interaction with somebody. That really happens at a much more junior level. What I refer to it as, I call it the contact layer, but that junior sailor that's not that much older or hasn't been there much longer than perhaps a new sailor, but they'll have interactions with them many, many times during the day. And I think our challenge in the Navy, and I think in DOD as a whole, is how do we get that same amount of care down to that level, to the contact layer? How do I get that, that junior petty officer to care as much as I do? as a father and a commander. And that's something I think we'll continue to work with uh, throughout our, our time here. And we can kind of see that analogy in regular businesses, right? Your coworkers right. are yeah. that contact layer. And what can you do to maybe help that person in the next cubicle or the next office or down the hall uh, from maybe having some kind of mental health breakdown or those suicidal thoughts? Well, on the Crisis Files, we also like to have hope and wind down each of our case files with hope. My guess is you've seen a lot and have heard from a lot of people to give yourself hope to continue this fight. What can you share with us on that hope front? Well, I'll tell you, I'm passionate about the issue and continuing to build foundations of trust. I speak frequently to organizations and I still have connections to the Navy where I talk about how we onboard people and how you make that first impression how we create a culture and a command climate that treats people with respect and dignity and sets the conditions for their continued success and demonstrates that deep appreciation of their service. But there are other organizations and things uh, that are out there. Today, uh, we have two aircraft carriers that are deployed in the Eastern Med and the, in the Persian Gulf. Both of those aircraft carriers have deployed with uh, dogs and well, some people might like to you know, refer to them as pets or make fun of that. Uh, these are service dogs. And we are, have a study going on right now on uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower about the efficacy of that. And to before, you know, we, all the feedback that we have from the, the sailors that interact with the, the dogs is fantastic. But we're going down the process right now to have true empirical psychology-based data that shows the value of this. And uh, I'm proud to be a part of that. We did the first one of those on Gerald R. Ford on her deployment. And as you're probably aware, that ship has been extended and is now operating the Eastern Med. And if she does her mission right, she'll never fly a, a mission in anger. She'll never have to drop any ordnance. But just that presence alone will be deterrence uh, enough to stabilize the force. So I love Mutz with the Mission, and that's the organization that does that and supports that at no cost to the Navy. And it's really uh, an amazing program. Disabled American Veterans is a group, the Navy League, uh, their military family life coordinators. We've really flooded the zone with support and help on all of our major ships that have the space. We have psychologists, we have uh, mental health care providers on both the officer and enlisted side, and these they're called MIFLICs, but these military family 
uh, life coordinators. And all of that is just uh, really uh, providing excess capacity, removing barriers uh, to access for mental health issues. And I, I think we have uh, put a tremendous amount of resources in this area, and we're going to continue to do that, all with the fervent belief that better access, uh, better cultural issues will turn the tide on this. Wow, well, that's great to hear about, and I hope our listeners will look up Mutz with a Mission. I'm a big dog lover myself, and uh, they are such a help. There's also some other good news. If you're in crisis, there is a number you can call for help. The Veterans Military Crisis Line is just a few digits away, dial 988 and press 1 for help. Well, Admiral John Meyer, thank you so much for your service, for your insights. And really, you haven't stopped working for the nation for this new mission or continued mission of yours. We really appreciate you and your insights today. Thank you, Rashini. And I, I very much appreciate you tackling this very challenging topic. It's near and dear to my heart. And I would argue it's near and dear to the entire nation's heart, because ultimately it's our sons and daughters that serve in our armed forces. and the best of us treat them like our own sons and daughters. So thank you again for taking this topic on. Absolutely. Today's crisis brief is dedicated to all we have lost to suicide and the families who love them. Number one, mental health is health. You are not alone if you are struggling and it is okay to bring it up if things are not okay. Number two, if you are the person in charge of any team, prevention is key. It is the responsibility of leadership to build a culture of trust, respect, and welcoming people. Number three, the Veterans Military Crisis Line is 988-PRESS-1 for help. It is a free confidential resource for all U.S. military members and veterans. Please rate and review The Crisis Files on your platform of choice. Catch up on all Crisis Files at thecrisisfiles.com. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on YouTube and Instagram at thecrisisfiles. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. We'll catch you next time on The Crisis Files. <laughs>